Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. I'm not going to lie to you. I really did enjoy that. Uh, it was fun. You think he'll hold a grudge? No, no, he won't hold a grudge. He's been thrown out plenty of times before, and I'm sure he'll get thrown out one more, one or two more times again. I mean, I just saw it coming. You could see where the game was going, and then you know, we kind of had the, the game pretty much won at that point. But, uh, you know, it just happened fast. I was just trying to get him in tech, really. It could have been anybody I would have done that with, but it was him. It's turned into this, so, uh, yeah. That's Austin Rivers talking about Doc Rivers. Getting ejected, telling reporters he enjoyed seeing his dad get run, and he later tweeted, quote, well, Thanksgiving's going to be weird. Does Doc really care about getting <laughs> getting run, even if Austin's involved? Uh, in that situation, the, the, the game was over. I happened to be watching. I switched over. I watched the CMAs last night, Old Dominion Vocal Group of the Year. I discovered them. Saw them when they played at the depot across the street. You were in early. Yes. Many years What is now. the depot? 500,000? I think it's like 1,100. I think yeah. that's what they, what they call. Congrats to Old Dominion. Yes. So flipping back and forth, but I happen to be watching that. I was embarrassed for Doc. I haven't seen his son do that. And unless you've been in that situation, it, it's hard to fathom. Uh, but, you know, they when Doc's uh, mother died, uh, Austin had said that you know, he was really close to his mother. Uh, he and I have a basketball relationship. He wasn't around when I was growing up. So I think there's issues there that people don't want to talk about. Uh, but I was embarrassed to see that. And if I was Doc, I would have been embarrassed. I don't, I don't think there was any need to do that. I mean, James Harden, Westbrook, they weren't doing it. Clippers lose that game, 102-93. And the Spurs and Blazers also go down. You ready to see the? Uh, you ready to announce uh, kind of splits, different levels of teams in the West? Spurs. I mean, it's twelve games, so teams can rally. But the Blazers are off to a bad start here. They're four and eight, four and seven, yep, four and eight now. Want to write them out? The Toronto got them one fourteen, one oh six. It was the Minnesota Timberwolves. So the Jazz are going to see a couple times real quick here. Uh, Minnesota beat the Spurs one twenty nine, one fourteen. Ready to pronounce a top four, five, or six in the West? Push into these outer. It's a long season, and they got plenty of time well, did, to. Did we pronounce them in? Ever? No, I don't think we have pronounced much of anything. Well, as, well, I have to say, I'm talking I, about I the Blazers think, and the Spurs. Did we I pronounce think, them in the top five? No. All right. I kind of think the Lakers, Rockets, Jazz, Nuggets, and Clippers. I mean, you kind of think either you do or them. you don't. Well. I know there's still going to be trades in midseason, so stuff can change. So that's going to make a difference for the Spurs and the Blazers? I don't think so. Right. Don't be kind of. I hate these these reporters with the kind of. Don't backdoor the thought. Don't backdoor the question. Either you believe it or you don't. Min- Stand on principle. Minnesota's 7-4, and four, and I haven't been counting them as an elite team. Every time Maybe. I hear kind of in a question, I thought, well, that person's afraid to ask the question. Minnesota. Don't give me kind of. You want to label them an elite team or no? They've been building to this for 15 years. And so maybe they finally got there. Or you could give me the old, ah, 16 years of them building. They're better, but they're not there. 
They're not on the... They are what I call the good thing about the NBA. Because they've got players that I would be interested in paying to go see. They're not a great team, but they've got some individual players that I don't know that they'll stay there or what will happen down the line. But you want to watch Carl Anthony yeah, Towns. Absolutely. You want to watch Wiggins. And they've got some players on that, on that ball club that are worth my time to watch. And most teams do. Wiggins, there are a few teams that don't. Wiggins had 30 in that win last night. And he's night. been scoring a lot lately if you've been following it. And I have. Go look at his stats. His efficiency, his three above the break percentage is incredible. Speaking of that, David Locke will be here <laughs> at 730. <laughs> David's usually on Friday. He's going to be on Thursday this week. <laughs> Joe Ingles is usually on Thursday. Maybe on Friday. Now, his three below the break sucks <laughs> right now. Tonight, Clippers and Pelicans. So, curious just to see who will play for the Clippers. Well, Paul, you were Paul watching George. that game last night. They were saying that uh, I was not. George and Leonard will get together for the first time on Saturday. That's what they were saying, anyway. So, maybe Paul goes tonight and huh? then yeah, that's what they're Kawhi Leonard sits because he'll be back maybe. to back. That's what they were saying. Well, it could be that neither one of them go tonight. They both go Saturday. Again, I I was, so be quiet. They were saying George will play tonight. Leonard won't. Unless it changes, that's what they said last night. Nets and Nuggets at 830 on TNT tonight. If you want to check out the Denver Nuggets, who are 7-3, half game behind the Jazz. And, of course, they were the two seed last year. Oh, for sure. Have their guys back. Yeah, absolutely. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Cougars, T-Birds, it's a fight to the death, PK. Ooh, that's strong. Yeah, Jake Toulson <laughs> with a late three-pointer. Uh, or it was a college basketball a non-conference game. game. <laughs> that was close and competitive. Fabulous Thunderbirds. I mean, they've got D1 transfers all over the roster. Just about everybody played someplace else. UNLV, ASU, a night here at Utah State. Yeah, I mean, on and on and on. Their roster is just filled with transfers. They didn't say they had one guy in the yeah. rotation who's not a transfer. The ghost of Neil McCarthy at New Mexico State. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they you know, they played a, a competitive game for sure. I mean, I feel bad for Pope because a lot of his better players are sitting over there with him either through this ridiculous suspension or injuries. But I like the way the Cougars played. They had to grind it out. They had to go on the defensive end. Toulson was their offense basically almost exclusively down the stretch. But I love the way they were fighting defensively. I mean, SUU is not a great team, but relative to what they're going to face in the West Coast Conference, the mindset of let's dig in defensively and rebound, that's how we're going to win this game. And they did. And Toulson, one of BYU's transfers, comes up with 22 points, and that's enough to get the Cougars home with a 68-63 win. He's the prodigal son. He returned home. So he was with BYU, then he went to U of U, and now he's back. Arizona kid. West Coast Conference, the University of San Diego Toreros. Want to do a little WCC scouting? Yeah, I do. USD is going to be at Weber State. USD? It's what I spend when I'm in Mexico. U.S. dollars. I see what you did there. Very well done. Weaver State's 0-1. All they've got is that uh, trip up to Logan and that uh, that route. See if they bounce back here. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 
have kind of a legacy around here that we've only had one team in the last 12 years that's lost more than one game in the regular season. You know, I'd like for this team to be able to continue that, and we certainly want to focus on all the things that we need to do to try to be able to get that done. And the number one thing is to play well this week against Mississippi State. That's Nick Saban basically saying we don't do 10 and 2 around here. You got one loss, don't do two. Bad season. 10 and 2, horrific. It'd be my, I mean, I don't know this, but it'd be my guess is that he's going to be right. That they do go 11 and 1. And with that 11 and 1, most of the coaching staff will be fired. And then we'll see if they get in. I wrote up a little thing, we posted it. And uh, our website, and it's also posted KSL. I got a friend who was in, uh, he played in Pac-10 many years ago. So I'm out. And I shut off my mentions. I don't want to be available 24-7. You can hit me up from 6 to 10 anytime you want, and then during games. Uh, so he says, he sends me this text out of the blue. BYU Homer dissing the U like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, apparently on KSL and the social media, they, had, they just... Tons of youth fans going berserk about uh, how, and I and I did turn on my mentions after he said that, and uh, is that what you call them or notifications, whatever? And man, they were all upset. I'm not saying you don't deserve to be in. I'm saying I don't trust the committee to award the Pac-12 in. And if you're going to be in, if the winner of Oregon, assuming they both win, which we we all do, if the winner goes to the playoff, which I hope then the worst you're going to get is the Rose Bowl. Why would you be unhappy? I realize I'm the dog, so kick me and call me all sorts of names. Did you hold them up as the greatest thing? Because if you didn't, (laughs) any other slight, and people go nuts. Uh, Yeah, That's what social media is there for. And I guess it is. Yeah, you're right. Which I is mean, why I turn off the mention right. spiels. Right. If, you're, if but, you're a coach, if you're on the radio or TV, if you're a newspaper writer, I don't know if the dot-comers get it. I suspect they probably do too, but I haven't been told uh, that by them. Most of them are fans of the team, so they're not going to say anything that's... That, and that may well be. But I, I just think if you're out there in the spotlight, somebody's going to tell you you suck. Out there in the spotlight, you're a million you miles see, away. Did you see Brian Harson, the Boise State coach's press conference, where he's talking about twitiots and who gets to criticize and how it used to happen? And he didn't say specifically newspaper guys, but I thought that's what he was alluding to. You know, he talked about how you used to have some level of credibility. You got in there and you had to grind and work hard and you know stuff. And then your criticism meant something. As opposed to now, you can criticize and literally not even watch the whole game. That's a joke. Yeah. I got this. PK, how about instead of disparaging comments about the local team, you report on why not push the agenda above what may you actually believe? Another guy follows through. In fairness, he is supporting, quote, his local team. Blue to the bone, PK. Good grief. (laughs) Yeah. I am blue to the bone. So blue could be two different teams as well. So here we go. Oh, I think we know which one he means. I am blue to the bone. But it's hard to know after BYU stole Aggie Blue. Oh, I think he... When you go blue to the bone, I think he's going towards uh, BYU. And let's make sure you understand. There is no doubt about 
that I am a hard, hardcore BYU fan. I do not hide it under any circumstances. <laughs> and this is what Dennis Dodd was tweeting about yesterday when he was talking about the discussion between the Big 12 champ, the Pac-12 champ, and Alabama. That's among. You can't have, when you have more than two, it's not between. You could have an 11-1 Bama, 12-1 Oklahoma, 12-1 Oregon, or 12-1 Utah, and two of the three will be squeezed out. And I think it's occurred to most fans, it could be their team. And it doesn't matter if it's Alabama, Oklahoma, Oregon, or Utah. Baylor still has the path to be 13-0, although I guess they could also be a 12-1 conference The thing that I don't want the Pac-12 to get in, guys... I've been a Pac-10 fan since you had poo-poo in your diapers. What are you talking about? I just don't trust the folks to reward the Pac-12. And right now, if you want to talk about injustice, Minnesota should be crying up a storm. How in the world are they ranked ahead behind Utah? Utah's in front of two undefeated teams. That's a joke! And Minnesota's got that marquee win. Baylor doesn't have it yet, but they play Oklahoma this week. An absolute joke. I'm not. I'm going to go on hunger strike till this changes. I want fairness. You going to finish that breakfast burrito? <laughs> I don't have a breakfast burrito. Sounds like a good idea, though. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. At this point, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, at this point, it feels like a PR stunt. Again, being that it's on a Saturday, um, what decision makers are going to be able to attend that workout? Um, the other strange thing is I saw that it was reported that teams were interested in Colin, but they reached out to the league about it. That's strange. So um, we'll see what happens. I get a lot of what Eric Reed said there, but not the last thing. I don't, a lick of attention. I don't think it is strange that the teams reach out to the league for cover so that they don't take heat individually. That that doesn't surprise me yeah, at all. Well, Eric Reed is going to stick up for Kaepernick at all costs. I got it. But so why would you be surprised on anything he says? The Saturday thing, I think, is spot on. That short notice on the day before a game, uh, doing it on a Tuesday, more people would be able to get there, especially decision makers. Saturday... With college football games having to be scouted the day before team plays, not the best day. Thursday night football tonight, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. The Steelers, after a bad start, won four in a row and five out of six. They're chasing Baltimore, still a couple games back in the division, but they're playing the, despite the guys leaving the team and the injury to Roethlisberger, and now their new star running back, James Conner, missed last week's game. Nonetheless, getting back into the playoff conversation with a nice little uh, win streak here. You can listen to that game tonight right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Making it to the big leagues, getting called up to, to be a bullpen guy and then getting a chance to start and, you know, saying it was a goal to win a Cy Young, which, I, you know, I think it was it's every starting pitcher's goal or pitcher for the, uh, to win one. But, you know, to win two back to back, I think this one's going to take some time to set in and, you know, n- never really could imagine it. You know, like I said, it's a goal and a dream and, and for it to actually happen, it's uh, pretty unreal. Mets, the ace, Jacob DeGrom, back-to-back Cy Young's almost unanimous. One holdout among the 30, PK. 29-30 said he I was just couldn't give it to him. Why'd you hold out on him? Well, 
because I've been a Yankee fan my whole life. Okay. And Justin Verlander adds to his impressive resume. It's kind of Jack Nicholas territory now. Two Cy Youngs and three runners-up. Been eight years since he won it, but he wins it again. Great. Do you have gun Garrett Cole? Cole was the runner-up. Either way. Whatever. What, what, I don't really get caught up in it. Then fine. I'm, I was fine either way. Didn't matter. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, David Locke's going to join us at 7.30 to talk jazz. We'll have more of the fallout from people who believe the Utes at 12-1 and should absolutely, positively, and will definitely be in the playoffs. That'd be awesome. I hope it would happen. Either way, Oregon or Utah. There are multiple scenarios out there. Many of them squeeze the Utes out, but there are some that put the Utes in. We'll get to that coming up. We've got Chris Camerani, Utes writer for The Athletic, joining us at 830. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz are off tonight. They're back in action tomorrow night in Memphis, 6 o'clock. That's an ESPN game. Also, the Salt Lake City Stars home opener tomorrow night at SLCC. Justin Wright Foreman led the Stars with 32 points as they lost to Iowa, 122-116 last night. BYU a 68-63 winner over Southern Utah on the strength of 22 points. From Jake Toulson, Weaver State hosts USD at the D Event Center tonight. Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Alabama quarterback, game-time decision to play against Mississippi State this week after he returned from a high ankle sprain to play in the loss to LSU. Top of the wire, brought to you by Syringa Networks. Verizon customers, if you are recently notified that some of your telecommunication services will no longer be supported, contact Syringa Networks. Syringa is Utah's fastest-growing premier telecommunications provider. They have a full range of services. Call them today at 385-420-7881. That number again, 385-420-7881. That's Syringa Networks. Is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Bears, Lions, we're just watching this and having a good time. Couple of rows in front of us, though. There's this big old shoving match going on, people trying to hold people back. Bears fan is absolutely trying to cause problems. He walks up, I'm videoing, he lunges out and nabs my phone. He takes it clean out of my hand. I grab his other arm, yank him right down over the seat. I'm about ready to put him in a headlock. And he's like, whoa! Holding him down was then going to try to get my phone out of his hand. Did not throw a punch, did not put him in a chokehold. Security officer immediately gets over there and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Give him his phone, give him his phone. And then he got up and, and we left. I believe the violence is never the answer. Uh-huh. You know, that's us Titans fans. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A reminder, the warehouse, join the big show, Friday, November 15th from 3 to 6. They're going to be at the warehouse at 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. David Locke going to join us here momentarily. The Utah Jazz getting ready for a trip to Memphis. PK, you know, it's one of those deals where you talk about all the stuff that goes wrong, but you don't talk about the stuff that goes right. 
You talk about the free throw disparity when you're minus 10, not when you shoot 10 more than the other guy. We talk about the schedule when there's back-to-backs and four games in six days, but it's a nice little soft spot in the schedule here. Get a day off, you get to practice. Locke always – he told us actually before they went into Sacramento, games have been piling up, they haven't been at practice, maybe there'll be a problem, and sure enough there was and they lost. Well, they're going into Memphis and everything's in their favor here. Maybe he's not going to say that. I know, but I, do. <laughs> I just said it, so now he doesn't have to. He won't. <laughs> Yeah, well, whether you got one day off or four weeks off, you got to play Memphis on Friday. So, <laughs> it's great. If it works to your advantage, make whatever you have work to your advantage because you got to play the game irregardless. So, go ahead and play it and try to win it. They're a building team. You're not a building team in that regard. You are a building in the sense of getting better as you go, but Memphis is not competing for anything substantial this year with a number of young guys and John Morant looks like he's a fine player I'm looking forward to watching that game getting getting to see him was saw him in the NCAA tournament didn't watch a whole lot of Murray State during the regular season saw him in the NCAA tournament and followed his progression up the charts of draft mock stuff and sure enough he went what second to Memphis and see what they got there and they made the trade and made sense for them to get rid of Conley as an older player with all that money and I'm interested in watching this game and to see what the Jazz can do. They should be able to beat Memphis. Doesn't mean they will. This is the NBA. It's like I said with Minnesota and like I said with most of these teams. This is is a great time to be an NBA fan because just about every team has somebody that I'm interested in watching, particularly in the West. With John Morant, you know, we didn't get to see him much because he's just not in a league that's got a TV contract. So he's not going to be out there. And I find it cool when a guy who knows his moment in the spotlight is coming and everybody knew when he was coming and you got to come up big and you're not Duke. You don't have multiple chances. Hey, we're going to be on TV ESPN 15 times. Yeah. And we can look good. I can look good 10 times and I can have five bad games. John Morant, <laughs> he had to make it happen. And he delivered. He thrilled people in the NCAA tournament. I'm one of them. I started singing, ja, 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 Morant. David Locke joins us now, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line, Lisa Nehanset, and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. David, good morning. No. Yes. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. It was. And then I heard that. It's not a good morning at all. <laughs> Come on, you know you want to belt it out. In fact, you can even use it. Ja, 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 Morant. Sing it, Booner. Um, no. You can do a duet. <laughs> yes. You don't have to do it on the air. You do, like, social media stuff before the game. I've seen and that. After? You, can do it. you can do it there. And after. You can do it there. No, no, no. Ah, see? morning. No, no, no. You're <laughs> easing into it. You're trying it out without trying it out. No, I'm not. It was unpleasant. It was uncomfortable. I haven't had nearly the appropriate amount of caffeine to combat such a thing. It was really awful. Yeah, but that's the beauty of it is it's in in its awfulness. So what's the... No, not at 730 in the morning. What's the early word talking to your people around the league? You know, a lot of people now, you've been doing play-by-play for uh, several years, and you have had a chance to have pregame, casual conversations, develop relationships with people, and you haven't text you. What do people think of John Morant's snap judgment 11 games in? Oh, he's in? real. Oh, he's absolutely real. Um, the jumper's probably not great yet. 
Um, but the wiggle is incredible. The, um, the, the ability to change direction with the dribble, uh, the explosiveness. Um, no, he's real. He's really, he's, um, uh, he's, he's fantastic. Like, um, everything about him, I think. Uh, and then the character sounds great. The willingness to get better. Um, but I mean, if you watched last night, his ability, you know, Donovan has this. This is kind of what separated Donovan right away is that ability to get in the lane with the dribble in and out, change direction. I, you know, I refer to it as the wiggle. So a lot of guys are just straight line. Um, these guys are, are different. Uh, last night he made a move. Uh, he ended up getting fouled by Cody Zeller, but I mean, it was just ridiculous that he was able to get to where he got to. Um, and so he's great. Um, his rim finishing is pretty good. He's at 58%. His shooting is only okay. His, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he does against the Jazz. His, his paint non-restricted area is like 36%, and his long twos are about 31%. His, his threes, he's only taken, I think, about 20 all year. Um, he's right. He's shooting him well. I mean, I think he's like 8 or 9 of 20 or something of that nature. Maybe it's 8 of 18 or something. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not fully refined, but oh my gosh, for one year, um, looks in complete control. He's got two game winners already. Last night's final shot was, you know, there's like eight people in the league that could make that shot last night. When you look at Mitchell relative to other players who come in the league at his age, so many of these guys, they're basically kids. You know, you go look at Hayward when he came in. I mean, he looked like a string bean. And then you look at him four or five years later, and it's obvious he had done massive work to his body. Mitchell, unless I'm forgetting, he looks the same, meaning he had a pretty good body to begin with when he came in the league, and now he's in his third year. How much stronger, because he's still a young kid, how much stronger do you think he can actually get? Oh, it's interesting. I haven't thought about that. Um, I mean, I don't... Hmm. You're right. He is pretty developed. He's super strong. Um, You know, the thing that they say about Donovan all the time is that he actually was supposed to be like six seven or six eight, and he just grew to six one. Um, you know, he's got these huge feet and these long arms, and like everything about him is supposed to be like six 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 seven, and it just didn't happen. Um, so, I don't know what that impact. You know, I, I don't know. I really I hadn't thought about. it. I don't know how much stronger he gets, um, or if he even needs to. Frankly. Right, I don't necessarily know that he does because he's come into the league with a man's body, basically. But I'm just wondering if because he's still only what 22, 23, he could you could make the case that he's still developing physically, which then would stand to reason that that would make him better. Right. I mean, I guess it could make him worse too, right? Uh, it depends. You know, I you get, just look at a guy bigger, like Malone; he got way better. Lose, some, lose something. Uh, possibly, but but if he went to see if, if it was just natural strength that just occurs through maturity, then no. If he went out and decided I need to be this bodybuilder, what have you? Well, then yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know I don't know. I, um, and then let me ask you this: so if he got stronger, are there part are there moments when you're watching him where you think he needs to get stronger? No, no, that's what I'm saying. No, yeah. he's got he's a, he has a man's body now. This is nothing that he needs. I'm just wondering if it will happen naturally, which would then lead me to believe that he would even be better. 
mean, he's really good right now. I know. Um, you know, he's taken, he's taken, you know, we're 11 games into the season. Um, he's taken a noticeable change to who he is as a player. And what's interesting is he's taking the exact same amount of shots and using the exact same amount of possessions as he did a year ago right now. Um, and yet his field goal percentage is up five percentage points, just three point percentage, I think up five percentage points. I don't know how long this one can last, um, but he's just got such a beautiful touch that maybe it can. He's on balance so so terrifically when he shoots, but his off the bounce three has been pretty good this year. I think he missed them all the other night, so I think he went from forty four to thirty six. I mean we're still in that kind of range where you know, something it changes one day or the other, but his his catch and shoot three point game, I believe, don't totally go on this, but I think is over fifty percent since January first of last year, which is incredible. That's one point five points per shot. Um, his off the bounce game is at about thirty six percent, I think. So that's pretty darn good as well. And so if he's suddenly hitting his off the bounce three. You know, in that 35 to 38 range, um, he gets pretty unstoppable. Um, he gets pretty close to Dame. And boy, is Dame Willard having, until last night, um, is Dame Willard having one of the great years. Unfortunately, his team's so injury riddled that no one's noticing. But, you know, one thing on, on Dame is his, I think, career high three point shooting is about, I think, other than one year, is 37%. Um, and so Donovan's, you know, significantly ahead of that right now, which just gives you kind of a perspective. Now, Dame's bigger, but not a lot. I mean, Dame, I think, remeasured at 6'2", if I remember correctly. So, um, you know, if Donovan can get that pull-up jumper, that, you know, Dame takes about seven or eight of those a game. That would, that would really change things. David Locke joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Looking for things that are right about the Jazz and things that are wrong about the Jazz and need some help. I think that PKNM kind of zeroed in on the bench. How good is the bench going to be? That's the question mark out there. How good do you think the bench is? Who do you think already off the bench you can just count on? And even if fans don't realize it yet, you know they're already going to be a lock. And where are the question marks? Potential issues. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not clear on that group yet. I mean, obviously Joe's not comfortable there. Um, Moutier and Jeff Green were just fantastic the other day. Um, you know, I said this in the very beginning about this season. Uh, we don't have because this group is so much more talented. We don't have a particularly play hard group. If that makes sense. Now it hasn't shown. Quinn's got him playing pretty hard. And our primary two guys. Wait one second, guys. Love you. Um. The um, our two primary guys, Donovan and Rudy, sure play hard, and and I'm not saying guys don't play hard, but like there's there's hustle players in the league. Hustle players are usually because you don't have enough talent. So if you don't hustle, you go home, right? But like you know, Patrick Beverly or even Patrick Kinahan, you know, Patrick Kinahan, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, guy. You know, if you look through rosters, and frankly, you know, I mean, those guys truly like the reason they play hard is because if they don't play really hard, they go home. Um, so I, you know, that's where this bench is a little different. I also think that there's this bench is a little different because both Moutier and Green think of themselves as natural scorers, which they've proven they are in their careers at different times. Moutier's, you know, started a lot of games and puts up a lot of shots, and Jeff Green does the same. So they're not natural ball movers. So it's just a very different group than 
what we've ever had before. It's taking me a while to kind of adjust to it. They they were certainly great. I think we're learning Jeff Green's a street shooter. Um, what didn't he start the year like seven of his like ten of his first nineteen? Then he went two of thirteen, and now all of a sudden I think he's I, sorry I'm off the top of my head now, but I think he's six of his last ten or six of his last eleven or something like that. Maybe it's five of his last ten. Um, so clearly he's kind of a street seems to be a streaky shooter. Um, but I'm not I'm not sure on the bench unit yet. Um, and I'm not, you know, Royce O'Neal is a guy that would probably go into that play hard category. Um, so we have, you know, the group as a whole has it. The bench, per se, doesn't seem to have it. Did I see some footwork from Gobert the other night that I haven't seen and maybe can lead to him scoring some more points? Uh, I think so. You know, he's working hard. Uh, Rudy has a tendency when he says something he probably shouldn't say to back it up, um, which is impressive. And so he's, you know, suddenly Rudy's shooting 70%, right under 70% for the season. Um, what is he, about 19 of the last 22 from the field or something crazy? Um, but, yeah, I thought so. And um, he fully exposed DeAndre Jordan for what a terrible defensive player DeAndre Jordan is, despite years of people believing otherwise last night, the other night in the second half. Um, defensively, Rudy was just incredible. I mean, um, that second-half defensive performance by the Jazz the other night was was otherworldly. I think the defensive rating was like an 88. Jazz, Lakers, Magic are the top three defensive teams in the league, not separated by a lot there. Are the Jazz going to sustain this pace? Because we talked how much about they made changes to add offense to the club and shooting, and yet they seem right there among the elite. Is anybody else going to join that group? Well, Miami is playing an interesting style there, forcing a lot of turnovers and playing with a level of aggressiveness with the multiplicity of athletes that leads me to believe they'll be there. Um, I don't love their shot distribution, um, but they're preventing people from making shots and turning people over at a really high rate. So I would assume that they would will be in that group of elite defensive teams. Um, Toronto seems to be playing at a pretty high level defensively. I watched them last night. They were really good. So there's, and Philadelphia was supposed to be the best defensive team in the league, and Milwaukee was last year. So I think those are, unless I'm forgetting someone, I think those are probably the premier seven defensive teams in the league. There is nothing about Utah's efforts so far this year that is false. Um, in fact, if you look at, um, I looked at this last night. I don't know if it changed, but if you look, I believe we've only played one game against Philadelphia, maybe two against one against Philadelphia and one against Oklahoma City. I think Philadelphia last night was so bad that they dropped into this group. So now two of our top first 10 games have been against bottom teams. So it's not as though we're feasting on the Clevelands and the Charlottes and the Memphises and the Chicagos and, of, and the Orlandos and the New Yorks of the world and to get our defensive numbers. Instead, you know, Phoenix is the third best offensive team in the league. I think Brooklyn is about the fourth, and Milwaukee's the fifth, and we've the Lakers are the eighth, and we've played all those teams so far. The Clippers are middle of the pack, and and we've seen you know them once, and then one shadow of them. So uh, there's nothing about the Jazz defensive numbers and their performance right now that I think is in any way, shape, or form. Um, you can't poke any holes in it, I guess. And then I'm a huge believer in shot distribution. And I'm a bigger believer in defensive shot distribution than offensive shot distribution. And the Jazz defensive shot distribution is the best in the NBA by a considerable mark. So you speak of Joe adjusting to this second team role. 
and there's some struggles there. How about at the end of the game in the fourth quarter? Because he's he's playing his usual role, the role that he has been playing. Should he be playing better then? Well, he certainly did. He defended Kyrie great. Um, I thought it was notable that he was in the game despite having a bad offensive game. Um, he, you know, I think that that showed you, you know, that his relationship with Quinn and how much Quinn trusts him and that that lineup um, at the end of games is hopefully going to be our, you know, it's kind of our go-to lineup. It's yeah. It's been really fabulous. Our starting lineup has been great too as well. Um, so I, I mean, I think that, I mean, there's two things. So if we actually look back at Joe last year, when he and I don't think I have access to these numbers anymore, just because of the way um, NBA.com doesn't save things. But Joe and Derek's pick and roll, which we all fell in love with and thought was so fun, Joe's numbers actually weren't very good personally in that circumstance. Um, the offense actually wasn't that great overall. The pick and roll was okay. Um, in other words, when Joe's handling the ball all the time, he can't pass to himself for an open three. So his numbers are not as good under that circumstance. And what's happened so far this year is that he's taking more off-the-bounce threes than he is catch-and-shoot threes. Until the other night when he kind of went over, his catch-and-shoot three game was exactly the same as it's always been. It was just off-the-bounce threes were not as good. Teams might be defending him a little differently. Um, and that's a harder, always been a harder shot for him. So a little bit of this is what we're asking out of him. When he... When he plays with the ball in his hands, he does not um, – we do not play as well – or he does He does not play as well. But when – you know, right now our offense is four points better per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. So that probably should be what we keep an eye on with Joe more than anything else is what, you know, what our offense looks like when he's on the floor compared to um, what his personal numbers are because as long as we're asking him to be a ball handler, his personal numbers will not be very good. Well, I think that you know having him on the floor and Bogdanovich at the end of the game, they did that. What we you were talking about, I was asking about the dunk spot for Rudy Gobert, and they did that. And it looked like what the defense chose at the end of the game was match up with all the three point shooters. So Joe never gets a shot to improve his uh, personal numbers, and Bogdanovich didn't get a shot. But it left Rudy to get an offensive rebound because Jordan went to help on Mitchell driving, and there's nobody to block Rudy out, so he gets a he gets an easy putback, and the Jazz are up four, and that pretty much sealed the game. Are we going to see them do that a lot, or if you use something a lot, then it just forces other teams to try to solve that problem and creates the next thing? Does Quinn just kind of sit on that and keep it in his back pocket, or does he really exploit it here early in the year? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there's some pros and cons to it. An astute comment, I, I don't know if people caught it exactly as you started it, but the idea is that Rudy starts, instead of setting the pick at the top, starts on the baseline. And up front, you go find, you know, they ran Conley off. They ran Conley off of Donovan to put Kyrie as the guy they were going after. You find the weak defender and then let Donovan just go one-on-one. What's, what the, the concept that's so interesting about this um, is really what you're doing is because the league, and you know, I think we've talked about this in past shows or I have on other shows, because the league is playing drop big almost universally right now where every team's big is dropping all the way down and just basically sitting on front of the rim and staying below Rudy, making it very hard for Rudy to get lobs and also forcing our guards into a tremendous amount of you know short mid-range shots that – you actually start Rudy at 
at the behind the basket, make the big start there, opening up the middle of the floor for the driver, and then the big actually has to go to the ball. So instead of retreating back, at which any point they can kind of jab forward to the ball and have an impact, now you're making the big go to the ball, and there's an idea that that could free Rudy. There's some downsides to it. Rudy likes to be involved in the pick and roll. Rudy likes to touch the ball. It keeps him engaged. I'm not sure you can run it all the time, but it's a nice weapon to have in your back pocket. Last thing, uh, Philip just tweeted in, do you think Rudy's so unique that there's a large learning curve in learning how to play with him? Hmm. Sure. Um, and I think there's... I mean, there's a bunch of teams in the league right now that are having kind of a funky season to start, um, which leads me to believe that the league is altering the way it's defending. And then the question is how you adjust, right? So the Jazz, who we thought would be a top-five offensive team, are currently, what, 20th offensively right now? Is that about where we are? Yeah. Um, Okay, Denver is um, 22nd, and the Clippers are 16th. So... There's something, you know, there's some teams that we, Portland is, Portland actually doesn't surprise me. I I thought Portland would not be good this year. Um, Now injuries have made it so that my predictions are right. Um, But it's interesting. There's some, there's something going on in the league that team, that different teams are good that we then are better offensively than we anticipated a little bit. Now it also, 10 games, small sample size, one or two good opponents changes that. But let's see what happens over some time. But there's something going on in that regard. Um, and so maybe this Rudy's unique and maybe then, you know, some of these other guys are as well. Um, but it does seem as though it's taking a bunch of guys to get going. Thank you, David. See you guys. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. You'll hear him with the Jazz and the Grizzlies Friday. The Jazz are off on the weekend. Next home game is Monday. Minnesota will be in town to see the Jazz. DJ and PK. We're going to talk football with Chris Camrani coming up at... 8.30, writes for The Athletic, covers the Utes. PK's got a column up on the Pac-12 getting squeezed out of the playoff. Not everyone handling that news all that well. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, a reminder to join us tomorrow morning at Murdoch Chevrolet, 2375 South, 625 West in Woods Cross. We will be there with all kinds of free loot. Stop by, say hello, rip the hat and or beanie right off of PK's head and go home with some jazz gear. Or just rip me. You wrote a that column. Too. <laughs> you wrote a column. It's up at 1280thezone.com. Uh, so you pointed out that the Utes don't have the best shot in the world to get into the playoff. It's, the loss. It, it, it's the Pac-12. Yeah. Utah in this case, is the, the peg because it is the Utes, exactly. Right. But I, I just don't believe that the Pac-12 is going to be rewarded. I think they should be rewarded. I think there's something to be said for winning your conference championship. And so I think they should be in. I just worry that they're not going to be in. Well, due to the current situation with the four-team playoff, 
There is a chance we're going to have three undefeated conference champions and two one-loss teams. There's also a chance that we're going to end up with a couple of undefeateds and we're going to have three one-loss champs and a one-loss LSU. LSU's in. I think so, too. I would, I would be shocked if we held this playoff and LSU didn't have one of the four bursts. They've already done enough. And, and here's the deal. Utah has a path there, but their path involves probably not only do they have to win out, which is enough of a chore because Oregon's going to be a quality opponent, but they're going to have probably four to five games to have to break their way. The problem, I, I, that's, that's not the problem. Oh, okay. For me. It is for you. That's right. fine. But for me, the problem is humans. Okay, well, we're just we're addressing the same issue from a different perspective. We both think there's a lot of doubt as to the Pac-12's worthiness, yes. which is built up over years and doesn't yes. have anything to do with this team. Yes. And so I think the way around that is, well, if four or five games break your way, you know, if Alabama loses to Auburn and gets a second loss— then I think that, okay, that clears gone. the path. Right? Any two-loss team, two team is gone compared right. to a one-loss. And LSU needs to beat Georgia in the SEC conference title game because if Georgia wins, they're both getting in and squeezing somebody out. Yeah. If LSU wins, Georgia's knocked out. But then you haven't even mentioned Oklahoma. I haven't. And so that's, the, <laughs> that, that's what worries me. Oklahoma should worry you. Because yeah. right now they're behind the Utes and you're like, they're three spots back. Well, they're going to close that gap because I think – on the list of things the Utes need to have happen. You know, Penn State and Minnesota need to lose again to Ohio State, which should probably happen. But that's going to move Oklahoma right behind the Utah-Oregon winner because they're going to catch the Utah-Oregon loser. Of course. Because that team will have a second loss. Yes. So I'm not worried about the SEC. Oklahoma. that'll take care of itself. Except the SEC could squeeze out both the Big 12 and the Pac-12. But it will deserve it. Georgia beats Notre Dame. Yep, Georgia beats LSU, and Utah, Oregon only beat each so other. Georgia would end up with three quality wins. Yes, and, and one, you have one and one bad loss. So essentially, they'd be three and in one double in, overtime and double overtime to a team with this backup quarterback who blows. South Carolina, I'm looking at you. So, but the point is, well, they'd be I, three and Utah one. Utah lost to a third team quarterback. They'd be three and one in the games <laughs> so, that the committee on. was really staring at, and the Utes would be one and one in games yes, the Utes were really duh. staring at. Freaking so they'd be duh. squeezed too. So why did I get freaking lit up? Because people want the Utes in the playoff. Why did people tell me, oh, he's <laughs> blue to the bone? And then this. Because you guys are kidding, right? PK, a positive BYU bias? That's ridiculous. He's a total Ute lover. I know. <laughs> We've all, we could all go through our mentions, use the little uh, snipping tool, screen grab stuff. If He's they no fan of BYU, and it's if, obvious. And this, this happens in politics, so it might as well happen in sports radio. If you don't have the ability to go straight at the argument and beat it, then you try to go with the credibility of the person delivering the argument and not address the argument. Why demand an apology? You're not getting an apology, dude. You're going to get blasted on Twitter a hundred more times. Oh, a quick, a quick uh, Google search, and you hit headlines like, can the Pac-12 solve its playoff problem? Pac-12 is earning its reputation as an inferior football conference. Pac-12 showing no signs of ending reign as college football's worst league. And that bothers me more than any Ute fan, because I've been in this conference 40 years longer than you people. Those headlines, and the people who are writing them, I think 
match up with the mentality of a lot of people on the committee. When in doubt, pass over the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Yeah, but see, none of that helped me as I was crying myself to sleep last night for the abuse that I took. Look, A D-nozzle? Do I deserve that? <laughs> After what I've done in the community? I don't run it up the flagpole like you do. Look at me, all my charity work You know that you run out there. Oh, I, I got a meeting. I got charity work. No, I keep it. I'm not a, fed, uh, a Pharisee or a Sadducee. I keep it in a closet. Well, that sets me up, but I think I'll pass. Fly me to Yuck. the moon. You okay in there, Let Yuck? me play among oh, I, the stars. I saw that Tim teed it up, and you're yeah, like, teed it up. Yeah, in other words, please be true. I think we need to go to break, and you need to regroup. <laughs> Will he get lit up for the singing? In other words. The, a mixture of all three. Or I for the, the fact that you. the national media and the playoff committee will be doubting the Pac-12 champ. I'm a unless, troll and I'm a hack. Unless, of course I am, and I'm in my 18th year doing it. Unless we can get a... <laughs> <laughs> unless we can get some two-loss conference champions out there real quick. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your reaction coming up. We'll open the phones. we got open phones for a segment, and then we got Chris Camerani joining us at 8.30. Stay with us.